Greetings everyone. Welcome and thank you for tuning in to our final podcast. We hope you and your loved ones are well, safe and healthy. In the last episode, we discussed topics related to education. By the way, I am Lishalini and as always, I'm Shania Sami. Just like the previous episode, our guest for today will be none other than Mr. Caesar Tay from Hope Again. Welcome. Thank you, thank you, thank you Lishalini and Shania and the uh, the whole team of the uh, from from the committee thank you for having me again all right guys so in this episode of the speak ups route podcast we will be discussing topics related to the benefits of volunteering so last week we discussed why the malaysian education system does not seem to provide equal opportunities so here i'm glad to tell you that one way to fix this is through volunteering which is also our topic for today. Enjoy. Okay, Doki. So, to put us all on the same page, how would you define volunteering and is it very different in the virtual realm? Um, yeah, thanks uh, Shania and I think uh uh yeah, definitely I think in the virtual realm it's it's a little bit different. Yeah. And I should say that it has uh, pros and cons in terms of volunteering virtually, virtually right now. The cons is uh, certainly the lack of uh, human touch, and uh, especially in terms of uh, education programs. In education programs, it's always better to coach and connect with the children in real life scenario, where many activities can be conducted, ice breaking games, and. Uh, and uh, having face-to-face uh, interaction is definitely more fun and exciting. And, um, and also virtual uh, volunteering is always bound to internet connection. And uh, we cannot hold each other. We cannot feel each other. We, we can only see each other from the screen. There is still a distance. And experience each other emotions through eye contact and body languages. And, and yeah, still, you know, from the screen, we can still able to hide. We can switch off the camera. We can change our background and things like that. It's, sometimes it's just not as real as when we come to have a face-to-face interaction. And, um, and, and those are the limitations when uh, uh, volunteers can only teach virtually. It gets harder when we want to coach younger kids. Um, and, and, and based on our experience in Hope Worldwide is that we have programs with teenagers uh, it, it, it goes well with them. It goes well with them. But when we want to continue on our program, like reading program with kids like 9 to 12 years old, and, and it's a little bit challenging because uh, 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 they are not very well-versed with the technology. Yeah, they are not very well-versed. And when you want them to sit still in front of a camera, they just couldn't. And uh, they would really want uh, somebody who actually sit them down and coach them in real life scenario and and not like the teenagers they know how to share screen to do presentation and etc and uh, it's always challenging when it comes to infrastructure when low-income families do not have the right infrastructure to attend uh, virtual classes like uh, the lack of internet data and also the right uh, devices sometimes the phone they're using uh, the battery can be used up quite quickly when they use zoom yeah so uh, those are the Pro uh, cons uh, in terms of uh, vo- vo- virtual uh, volunteering virtually, and the pros is that uh, there are actually benefits, you know. And uh, ever since the pandemic started, I think uh, when we moved to uh, virtual realm for volunteering, 
uh, that uh, the volunteers don't need to travel anymore and uh, they don't need to, even though they stay far away from Sentul, Sentul is actually our center where we, uh, where, where our center based in. And, and sometimes our volunteers from different areas, they need to travel all the way here. It's actually quite time taxing. Yeah, right now it's just within a click. Uh, we can start the program already. And also the youth don't require, uh, same goes with the youth from low-income families. They don't require to travel all the way to our center. In a way, it is actually time and cost effective. As much as there are limitations in conducting virtual classes, it is also create more possibilities via virtual classes. Like, uh, I like the breakout room sessions where we can, uh, we are not bound by physical spaces. Okay, sometimes when uh, we conduct classes in our center, we only have one hall itself. When we want to break into groups, we always being disturbed by each group's uh, uh, discussion noises. Yeah, because uh, they are just so excited when they discuss. So, uh, and, and we, we couldn't concentrate sometimes. Uh, each group is being distracted. But uh, for Zoom, is actually we can, you know, set as many rooms as possible. And, and definitely you need to pay for that feature, but uh, it's still okay. And, and, and because it's a virtual program, we can have volunteers from different parts of the world. That's the best part, okay? And uh, because of these, I have a volunteer teacher all the way from California, uh, United States, to coach our youth in the advanced English class. And it's always so good to have a native speaker uh, that they can able to, uh, when this native speaker from US, he came uh, to coach our kids, you know, the way that he speaks the English, and it will really helps our kids to be able to, to explore themselves with, wow, different accent and, and, and um, yeah, to, to train them up with their confidence and their listening skills. Yeah, so I think that's the beauty of, uh, uh, volunteering in a virtual realm, yeah. That's amazing, Mr. Caesar. But now that we know what volunteering is, it is unfortunate that we are unable to physically volunteer ourselves for the greater good. But however, virtual volunteering exists to make up for the inability to conduct physical volunteering due to the pandemic. So with that in mind, how can virtual volunteering help provide equal opportunities in students? Mm, uh, a good question is uh, Lishari Lini. And uh, yeah, I believe uh, be it virtually or in real life scenarios, volunteering always provides better learning opportunities for students from low-income families or from underprivileged backgrounds. Because we are not, uh, I mean, volunteer means that you're not opening a class for profit purpose to charge the students they need to pay in order to attend the class. So uh, and these volunteers are willing to share their knowledge and skills. And, and most of these volunteers, they are just not like, oh, I, I just come for a good heart, good mind, but I don't really know what I'm doing. But the volunteers are all actually coming from uh, uh, with their rich um, experiences. For example, um, the teacher from the United States, he is himself an a, um, a ESOL teacher, you know, English as a, to teach English, which is, is one of his qualifications. And, and uh, the time different from uh, um, California, the time is actually, there is, a, I don't know, 12 or 13 hours, 14 hours of difference from here. So he always needs to readjust his schedule in order to coach our kids here in, on Saturdays, whereby will be in Friday night that you need to stay up late at night to coach our kids. 
And, and all these are, are, are something amazing when we put aside our profits and we put aside um, um, how the world supposedly work, you know. In order for you to get the knowledge, you must pay for it, right? No free, run, no free lunch is provided. But in volunteering, is everything is possible. And, and it is actually quite comforting for uh, these kids, you know. Um, they, they might not be able to pay up to even learn English from a native speaker. Uh, for whole of their life, but right now they uh, all these teachers are willing to volunteer to to pass down the knowledge, and whereby they can learn and access to the knowledge which they were once not able to uh, afford to pay because of their financial ability. And yeah, I, I think uh, no matter it is uh, in in virtually or physically, I think uh, volunteering is always uh, able to provide equal opportunities for students to learn. I hope that answers your question. <laughs> yeah, it really does. It's very interesting information there. So as we all know that volunteering is obviously for anyone and everyone who wants to lend a helping hand. However, volunteering virtually is tough to be more inclusive. So Mr. Caesar, I would like to ask, how do you think virtual volunteering helps include volunteers from various backgrounds? Yeah, I, I really like this question. Um, Yep, and especially the word inclusive. And, and I, I really believe in Hope Worldwide has been, uh, how to say, we, I've been working here for the past 11 years and inclusivity is, is, the, is the first priority that we always look into. That's why when we started Hope Worldwide Malaysia, we, we don't look into the aspect of who are you, who are you from, but I look into if you are, if you are needy, if you are in need of help, it's about humanitarian. So, um, yeah, be, be it virtually or real-life uh, scenario, according to, to uh, many researchers, you know, volunteering is about showing kindness to each other. And uh, volunteering makes us all the same. There is no status quo, even noble royalty like the late uh, Princess Diana. She's sat together with the sick and the poor and the ones who are discriminated by the society and the world. The spirit of volunteerism draws us all together, unites us when all for that one time we are not looking into our own interests, but interests of others. We gather together to help provide the best solutions for a social issue, to ease the pain of others where we practice unconditional love, when we put aside our differences to stand together for a noble cause. It helps us to build trust in humanity again, especially for the underprivileged society where shame, discrimination and inferiority are what they have been experiencing. But the spirit of volunteerism will break these walls and that we are all equally same. We, we, we learn to accept each other through discovering our differences in our cultures, religions, and backgrounds. We build a deeper understanding about each other. We change our perspectives. We build friendships. And through these volunteers learn the beauty of inclusion, uh, learning to be open-minded, to accept each other, understand each other instead of labeling each other. Like uh, we will have a lot of stereotypes like, yeah, I think they are poor because it's their consequences of their past decisions, uh, of their wrong mistakes they have made and all these things. And, and when we come together, we don't see this because we know that we are all imperfect. Here and there, we are all imperfect and we make mistakes, we make wrong decisions. Why can't we show grace and kindness to lend a helping hand? And when I'm in need, when I'm in, in the pit of life, I also need people to give me a helping hand to help me. And since we are all humans, and we should see each other 
equally, no matter you are from privileged background or underprivileged background. Maybe I have a very good start because I, you know, I have a very perfect family. My family is functional and, and I have a privileged background. I grow up, I don't need to worry about uh, three meals a day. But certain kids, they are not. Um, they, maybe they're growing up in such a very unfortunate scenario, which is not their choice. So we always need to learn to empathize, to think about other people, to, to stand in other people's shoes. And this is how we, 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 we these are the things that, you know, we don't get if, let's say, you learn a PhD, you, you obtain a PhD, uh, a doctoral uh, qualification, and uh, you, are, um, you, you earn a million a, a month. And all these uh, knowledge doesn't come from your career or jobs, our daily jobs that we are doing. It doesn't come from the uh, school education. You know, uh, when we learn mathematics, we learn physics, all these things, we learn science, but it doesn't give us all these uh, value of empathy, empathy uh, values of uh, um, uh, inclusivity, accept each other and celebrate differences that we have in our country. No, we don't learn that. It's only through uh, volunteering and, and it doesn't take somebody who is like, um, you know, science professor in order to do volunteer. Everybody can do it. And even though like a five-year-old can do it, I have as young as five, six-year-old coming together with a mother to come and volunteer in the food distribution program. He, she helps the mother to, to, to pack the rice into small packs. And the mother show her that this is the sight, the reality of the world, that many people don't have food to eat. So the kids from young, they already, already learn that, hey, I don't take my food for granted. Yeah. So I think, um, yeah, in fact, the world, this is what the world we need right now, especially our kids, to pass down these uh, values to our next generation. Only by that, we can build a better world. That's very, very true, Mr. Caesar. We all agree with that. And since we tend to focus on education, our next question relates to virtual volunteering. To students from certain backgrounds may have DM smart devices, you know, causing them to fall short of their fortunate peers in current education system. So hmm. what are the prospective societal benefits from virtual volunteering that could solve educational dilemmas like this? Yeah, um, thank you. Thank you, Leishalini. And yeah, far before the pandemic strikes us, uh, Hope White Malaysia has been believing in volunteerism. Um, just like what I have answered in the previous questions, because of these volunteers who are willing to share their knowledge and skills unconditionally for these kids from underprivileged backgrounds, um, they can all access to all these uh, knowledge and skills. Like we provide STEAM robotics education program. STEAM is a science, technology, um, um, uh, engineering, arts, and mathematics, uh, where you would enroll. If let's say you would enroll your kids to learn STEAM robotics class, or some of them they call it STEM. Um, these are premium classes. It's very costly, but we work with sponsors and volunteers to provide this education opportunity possible for our youth from low-income families. They can learn everything. We can train them how to really uh, give them a vision that one day you can also build a robot to solve uh, social problems, to provide clean waters, to, 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 to uh, compose food waste stations, and things like that. We are opening, we're opening their mind to science and technology. But the world is plagued by um, 
emotional stress due to isolation because of the lockdown during pandemic. We work with volunteers to provide mental wellness awareness program, and um, that that um, uh, with uh, through Zoom, you know, we we keep up with them continuously, helping them to practice what they have learned through this program to cope with stress positively because uh, these kids is just very very uh, yeah their 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 situation is much harder than what we can imagine. But what we can do is really to give them positive voices to help them to see that, hey, you, you don't need to struggle like that. We are here for you. And with the help of volunteers, we raise funds to buy laptops for youth in the advanced English speech class so that these kids can enjoy equal privilege to help them to gain self-esteem and self-dignity, aware of they have the equal opportunity. It motivates them to give the best, their best to learn. So they have laptops so they can actually learn from home. So they see to it that, hey, you know, I am given a laptop because really these are from teachers who, who really um, love me and care for me. Although we are, you know, we, we, we are not like related to each other, but they just treat me like uh, their own people, their own family. You know, they, they, they give me a laptop and things like that. And, and, and these are the things that we, we do so much to help. But still... Uh, when we do so a lot, all these things, it still depends on the student's attitude. So it, it takes two sides to, 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 to clap in order to provide you know, the sound. And, and, and definitely when we talk about, uh, just now all the questions when I talk about the equality, uh, provide equal opportunity. And sometimes is that the problem is the youth that we are helping, they are not helping themselves. And when we provide all these uh, access, access to them, they choose not to because they just feel like, well, uh, they have a lot of, um, I, I, I think this attitude problem is also uh, for all the kids, you know, no matter you're from privileged or underprivileged background. So these are the things that we have, is, is one of the walls that we always need to uh, um, uh, break for them. And, and, and if they are willing to make the right choice and we can work with them hand in hand for years even to the point of helping them to find a job when they grow up. We can't solve the emotional dilemma for them, but what we can do is we provide the platforms and opportunities to tell these youth that, hey, hello, we are always here. We are always here and you are not alone. And whenever you want to turn back and please come towards and, 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 and tell us what we can do for you. And, uh, but we always tell them like, you must commit and uh, you must be willing to to make the change. So in order for us to hold your hand throughout, yeah, we can't spoon fed them because we can only teach them how to fish, not uh, giving the fish to them all the time. Yeah. So yeah, I think, uh, I hope that these also give another perspective for them. Thank yeah, and, and I just want to add on something is that um, even at this pandemic, I think uh, these uh, youth from uh, underprivileged background, they are even being trained to become more resilient because um, yeah, because they need to double up the effort to work harder in order to, to get what they want. I think this is one of the good things to see among the youth. They are also hope that we, we see some of the youth actually, they even grow from strength to strength to, to strive harder than before. And, and you know, in, in a way or another that this pandemic actually review the true potential in these kids. Thank you so much for the information. That's very inspiring from you, Mr. Caesar. So um, there is an old saying, help others once you've helped yourself. 
This can be interpreted in many ways. But in this context, let's just say it, um, it means that we are usually in a position to provide aid to others once we have less problems on our shoulders, especially problems that are of similar nature to the cause we intend to volunteer for. So using that to tackle a basic stereotype around volunteering, do you think that volunteering and thus virtual volunteering is reserved for people from more well-off backgrounds? Mm, very good question, Shania. And, and yes, I also like to say that there's uh, also a saying that it's not about I do not have the time to volunteer. But the question is, do you have the heart to volunteer? And we are always busy, but why do we still volunteer? Because we care and because we believe we can change the world. So we make time to volunteer. The time is for us that we avail ourselves, okay? And, and thus, be it you are from average or well-off backgrounds, as long as you have the passion and beliefs in certain causes, you will spend your time to do it, okay? We were always busy and occupied with many things in life, which is same as everyone. We have their own problems to deal with. But some chose to come out from their problems to help others. It's not about making the choice. Uh, and it's all about making the choice and always striking a balance. Some people gain inspirations from themselves through volunteering. And some saying goes, you receive more when you give. I have volunteers who shared with me. They learn so much from our children and youth, although they were here to teach in the first place. So I think when we think we are going to lose a lot when we help others, that stop us from stepping out to help. I have a beneficial family um, um, whom we help through the uh, um, food distribution program. Uh, her name is Ka Shanti, and she's struggling financially. She's a single mother, single-handedly, raising up three kids. Very, very um, hard for her, very tough. But she still invites us to her house for Raya Open House, for every Hari Raya. She cooked a feast for us. And she got this rendang, curry, and ketupat, and all these things are her signature dish because she also sells uh, uh, food. Uh, as, as a job, she is a hawker seller and all these things. And with her skills, she, she, this is all she can offer. She uh, invites us every year to come, and she cooks a feast for us. And she's so generous, although she's financially struggling. And, and she still has many problems that she still cannot solve in life. And, uh, but she is willing to treat us because she is grateful. I think gratitude is the key. When we are grateful, it helps us to overlook our problems and willing to give ourselves to others. And yeah, just uh, go back to, to, your, to your main question is that the, the well-off and the not so well-off. I think um, nobody is actually completely well-off, you know, because like, uh, although some people who are rich, they will always feel like, hey, I can be richer. I want to spend more time to, to gain more wealth, to earn more money in order for me to, at a state that I can really volunteer. Some people will have that kind of thinking. But if you're continuously waiting for and waiting and waiting for the right timing, it's always not a right timing for you because when you think it's the right timing, physically, you're not fit to serve because you might click with all kinds of sickness and your, your leg not able to stand long and things like that. You know, I mean, human has a lot of, uh, limitations and our life has so many uncertainties and yeah we, we can never wait for the day that when our life problems are completely solved and only we come out to step out to help others that there's no such thing and we always will have different problems in different stages of life what i can see is that we enjoy the process 
And while we enjoy the process, we don't forget that some people out there who has bigger problems than, than us, and we are just willing to, yeah, just spare our time to, to volunteer. And, and indeed, I have seen many testimonies and uh, these volunteers, their life being fulfilled, yeah, through volunteering. Thank you, Mr. Zizia. And it is certainly true that uh, money can buy happiness and also have, yeah. you know, it's a prolonged thing. And uh, speaking about technology, right now, these days, the internet can be a dangerous place at times. Like, it is best to be cautious and aware of the activity, event, or project details available on the internet. To inspire our crowd of listeners out there, if someone is new to volunteering, what should they consider before joining program? Maybe we can give them a checklist that involves validating the cost and the resource distribution. So what are your perspectives, Mr. Cesar? Yeah, I think this is a very, very important question, Lishalini. And, and this is one of the things that we advocate in uh, Hope Worldwide Malaysia is that we provide these uh, community and volunteerism talks to in, uh, education institutions, to corporate companies. We tell them, before you volunteer, before you even donate one ringgit to an organization, you yourself hold the sole responsibility that before you contribute, you yourself have to ask. You don't just follow the flow. You watch the advertisement. You feel like, wow, I have been seeing a lot of advertisement about these um, social enterprise or about these uh, NGOs. I think I would just go, you know. But we have to study first, okay? We need to always ask questions and we always need to check whether these costs and if I give money, how do they spend the money that I'm giving to this organization? So this is what we advocate and we tell the public, you know, we don't just upsell ourselves and, hey, come and work with Hobo White, you know, come and volunteer with us. But we give them a thought that everybody will have a mindset because people will, they will, they stop volunteering. One of the things is that I don't know if this NGO doing a good job or not. I don't know what they are doing. I don't know this organization. I cannot trust them. Uh, I used to donate. I've been cheated uh, by this guy who tell me that he's very poor, but turn around now, uh, he actually drive a big car when after I gave him the money. So people are hurt. People are scared of being uh, cheated their money. So they don't do anything. They, they swing to the, the other extreme. They are so bitter. They close up themselves. They don't do anything. So how? Our world is being colder and colder than ever. So that's why I think it's very important like what you say, they need to really learn and validate, validate the cost and how this organization is functioning. What are the programs they are doing? Who are the people they are doing? Some people just say, oh, I give you a bag of toys. Blah, they give, you know. But we never really know if the orphanage home will need these toys or not. Okay, I just give, I cook nasi lemak poor for old folks home. But do you ever, have you ever think about the old folks? Can they eat nasi lemak? Nasi lemak cause high cholesterol, all these things. You want these old folks to eat nasi lemak? That doesn't make sense. We always need to validate before we go, before we volunteer. Before we go to that place, we need to learn like, oh, okay, I'm volunteering as a teacher. What do I need? Okay, do I need to prepare myself? Ask a lot of questions. So these are the questions I always receive from volunteers who actually ask me. I will welcome all these questions. And yeah, and, and for those who are new and wish to be a uh, be it right now, you know, want, you want to sign up to be a virtual volunteer or even after the pandemic is over, 
you can still you know be a volunteer first and foremost you yeah first thing is you got to find out more about the organization background okay and 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 some people who even share with me they say that i always like to find small small organizations or organization that is not too well known okay not too well known means that they might not get as much help as other well-known ngos because they want this help to be distributed evenly to different ngos so the not so well-known ngo they are struggling for their causes we can also go there and, and help them i think that is a really good thought and 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 from there you you know what you want okay and then you 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 can align with their program objective and what are their targeting group of beneficiaries some people who say that i love animals so they will all advocate in helping the street strays dogs and, and cats some people who i believe in empowering women so they work with ngo who empower women there are so many courses out there and and just for you to just find out and and do it okay and also check out their volunteering policies what are the do's and don'ts and then we don't just uh, sometimes they have zeal without knowledge means uh, we are very passionate we just go in ah i hug the kids i kiss the kids i touch the kids head you know i mean all these are love gestures you don't have ill intention but you got to respect you know what is this kids culture what is the policy of this organization before i even go and touch the kids okay so always um know there is actually things that we need to respect boundaries okay and it is also wise not to spend one on one session with the student you are coaching if let's say you are volunteering to be a teacher okay and that's why in homewide malaysia we always have breakout discussion on zoom be it on zoom or uh, in our center we always do it as a group okay as a group and then at least two teachers okay leading the group so that one teacher can can able to help the other teacher if let's say some students suddenly uh raise a very sensitive question okay so teachers can help each other to guide the kids okay and 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 avoid sharing your personal contact information with the student you are coaching or with the family that we are helping it is always to better to feedback to the organization full time staff if um uh, if you have any doubts or you want to raise certain areas of concerns about the child's well being like you see that okay this kid i think uh i look at his face he's like a little bit malnourished maybe he's been starving for days without food and then you can feedback to the organization and 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 work with the organization staff to help this kid instead of you just just straight away jump into and involved in their life sometimes it's a little bit unwise because you do not know who are the people behind this kid this kid and then some of maybe this kid is being manipulated with a group of people behind it and then you just straight jump straight in and, and go and help them you drive all the way straight to their house and eventually you are the one who 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 got into the problem so and these are the things that we we cannot be too naive when we want to help we always need to be wise and do not simply post any photos on social media after like you have volunteer with the kids or be it on zoom you know sometimes you you take a snapshot like hey we are very happy and then you you just post it on social media because sometimes we 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 have to get a consent from the kids that we posted it even though if you want to post you don't post a full face portrait of the kids on the social media because we we just don't want to expose their identity you can post your selfie you can share about your thoughts about volunteering but you don't mention the names and anything about the family and i have volunteer who actually came and volunteer with us and then she uh, 
that was far before the pandemic. She was coaching one of the kids in the reading program, and and then she take a picture together with the kid, and then she posts on the social media with a very good heart in mind. She she wrote a long story. She said, "Wow, this kid, ah,、uh, I'm very sad for her. She's already ten year old, ah,、uh, but she cannot read at all. Ah,、uh, why our country like that? What is our government doing? Blah 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 blah." So and then she even mentioned the name of the kid. So I tell her like I mean I I really appreciate you because you want to cultivate awareness. But first thing first, uh, what if this kid saw the post on internet on Facebook? Because everybody can access to Facebook. It will hurt the kid self esteem. Like wow, you know my teacher say that I cannot read. Blah blah blah. I feel I'm very sad. I give up. You know these are the things will hurt the kid. Then number two. You complain about government, so it will actually cause a lot of attention on Facebook, because we are a country, we are a democracy country, but de- democratic country, but we are not to the extent that we can do anything that we like. Like even if we complain on Facebook, it would we get ourselves in trouble. So the volunteer will get in trouble, and also because of the picture, and they can trace that is from Hope White, and Hope White will get into trouble. So all these things, and 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 is we gotta be very wise before we do anything because it's not just for us ourselves that we feel good and we do it, but we need to think about how my action will cause ripple effect and influence other people, and that thing supposedly with a good intention will deliver a very bad outcome which cannot be reversed anymore. So yeah, and and all these things that we have to take into consideration, and and there's actually many 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 things that we have to check like. Uh, even you post a photo, you always check with the organization first. Hey, can I post these videos? Can I, can I post this photo?、Uh, do you think it's good? You know, always ask. Yeah, and yeah, all in all, I think we need to respect the boundaries to safeguard ourselves and also for the benefit of the student to provide the safest environment for everybody. Yeah, so I think、uh, this is my take. Amazing insights from you, Mr. Caesar. It was an honor to have you as our guest for this episode. And since this is our last episode for today, I know it is sad. We also want to thank our guest from episode one, Mr. Evan, and of course the listeners out there. Thank you so much for tuning along with us in this amazing journey. You guys are amazing, and of course you, Mr. Caesar. Thank you once again. Thank you. Thank you so much, Lishalini, and also Shania. And the team and Audrey as well. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, Mr. Sisa. Thank you, Mrs. Lina. And also, we wouldn't have done all of this if it wasn't for you guys who are curious and eager to know more about education. So always remember, knowledge is key, and we think all of us have learned something new. It's like they say: all good things must come to an end. With that, the Speak Up Sarawak podcast has officially come to an end. So see you guys in the future. That's all from us. Goodbye, and please get vaccinated, everyone. Goodbye. Thank you. Bye. Bye.